Welcome to Healthcare Business Resources Podcast. My name is Stephen Epstein. I'm here today with John Panucci, founder and CEO of Alumni Healthcare Staffing, who's been in the locum tenens industry for 10 years. John started Alumni Healthcare Staffing in 2016 from zero in revenue and has grown it to $20 million in under four years. Quite an accomplishment, quite a guy. Welcome, John, to the show. Thanks, Stephen. Pleasure to be here. So what you've done is really remarkable in terms of revenue growth. It's very few CEOs break the million-dollar mark, very few break the $5 million mark, very few break the $10 million mark, and even fewer break the $20 million mark. What's been the key to your success? I'd have to say uh, the largest key to our success has been the ability to train and develop the individuals as we've brought them on over the past few years and delegating responsibility and also giving them an opportunity to grow professionally and financially is an enormous factor. Although a lot of these younger individuals want to come out and it's all about money, they really want to feel like they're providing a contribution towards the company. They really want to feel as though they're contributing towards the community and doing something that's right. And Locum Tenants is a perfect industry for it because we're providing a good service. That's exciting. So Give me some insight as to what you're seeing now in this sort of post-COVID or mid-COVID world. We're recording this webinar in June 2020. Obviously, things are reopening, but the economy has still been crushed. A lot of locum tenens companies and staffing companies have been very negatively affected, and yet you guys are continuing to grow. So can you share what you're seeing industry-wide and then how you're kind of bucking that trend? Sure. So best thing I can do is I'll start with our viewpoint. So when this started in, let's call it mid-March, and they started canceling elective surgeries all over the place, it affected us in a way that we'd never experienced before, at least in my decade of experience in the locum tenens industry. We received cancellations on CRNAs, anesthesiologists, and surgery subspecialty physicians without notice. And in our industry, it's um, typical where they have to provide us 30 days notice. And we had about a three-day stretch where it was phone call after phone call, just canceling our providers without notice. So we had never experienced a downfall like that in such a short period of time. After finally coming up for some air right after that, we had began experiencing notice for our outpatient providers as well. As outpatient volume in all specialties decreased, so did the need for locums, started receiving notice there. And just in general, the facilities having their ER volumes so significantly down and how that affects the hospitalist program and their internal medicine subspecialties and their neurology group. Just be the fact that they lost so much revenue is moves over to my hospital viewpoint of what happened to this. And we surveyed 110 facilities in uh, the United States. And you know the metrics show us that the top three things that we heard was, and that they were instructed to do was stop spending, which is not good for us, only use in dire need, which ended up being just in the ICU, as most of the locum tenens companies know, and do not execute any new contracts, which being a company of my size hurts me because I obviously don't work with every single hospital in the country. So we're always trying to you know, have business development constantly. So, so to go back to the original question is we were really projecting in that you know, mid to late March about a 25% loss. Uh, in revenue, which obviously is painful of a company our size, which I think I can get into a little bit later. It wasn't as painful, but uh, we ended up only being about a 10% loss. And I think one of the a couple key factors to that were the active providers that we had working 
ended up working more overtime because there were less providers because people were either getting sick or people had to go home and take care of family or people went home because they were afraid. And the providers we had working ended up working more hours and we held on to a lot of that business and we needed it. Um, but from our, from the staffing company in general, uh, I network pretty closely with about 10 companies and the 10 companies range from a couple million dollars up to about $200 million. And uh, we watched and witnessed large losses. I know one company that folded and there were big waves of furloughs and layoffs that were pretty well known in the industry of hundreds and hundreds of uh, recruiters and account managers. So, and business development, et cetera. So um, from a, from a company standpoint, um, this is going to be the first time um, that a recession is going to impact the revenue of the healthcare locum tenens industry. Prior past recessions have never had a decrease in spend year over year. And that's coming from the SIA Healthcare Summit, which we attend every year. Interesting. So you guys were only down 10%. What was the, what was the difference in I mean, obviously others were hit a lot harder than you guys. So besides the fact that you were able to de deploy your existing people who are out there working in the marketplace more hours, did you go on the attack with regard to sales and marketing and really scale up your outreach to try to get in new business? I mean, what did you do differently than what your competitors did and why, why did you fare better than they did? So first I'll address what we did was, you know, we made sure we were servicing our current customers to the maximum. And the other side of it was we had facilities that we had contracts with and relationships with, but we weren't providing them ICU coverage and then they needed ICU coverage. So we did pick up in COVID, we did pick up quite a few providers that started working significant hours in the ICUs to handle the COVID patients. So we didn't see it. That's where a lot of that 15% window is where we did pick up an ICU business where we lost in that CRNA anesthesia business. Having said that, the reason we were able to recoup is, as again, as a, as a $20 million company, we're a little over a million and a half in revenue each month. Losing 10%, losing 20% is sustainable and is easily recoverable by one or two, maybe three physicians. When you're a large company, if you're a $100, 200000000 million company, and you're talking about companies that do six, seven, eight million million a month in revenue... Losing 20% is way harder and significantly harder to recoup from that standpoint. And I just think a lot of smaller companies and what I also heard in my networking with them was there was a lot of fear coming from the leaders because there's a lot of unknown. And I can't say that I, it didn't hit me a little bit. I mean, of course, we were fearful of it. I haven't mentioned yet, but our office is in Bridgewater, New Jersey. We're 35, 40 miles west of New York City. So we're right in the middle of it. We're not in an area where when you said things are opening up, we're barely open up. And that's today in June 10th. I'm hoping that that changes very, very soon, hopefully. But it was a much easier for us to recoup. The smaller and being a mid-sized company, I think favored us in, in an event like this big time. That's great. Good to hear. So in terms of things opening back up or things returning back to sort of a new normal, obviously you have customers all across the country. So being located in the New York area obviously affects you guys for a lot of reasons, but it's not like that's where all of your clients are, right? So you've seen uh, patient volume picking up across hospitals nationally. Tell, tell us what you're seeing. Uh, from a patient standpoint, we're seeing significant decreases. I mean, the, the original reaction was we need hundreds of providers and uh, we were getting phone calls for 
unbelievable amounts of ICU doctors. And we looked at this saying, we're going to get really busy from this. And after two weeks, we realized that after presenting, I think we had about 35 ICU doctors presented in those first couple of weeks. I think we only put about five of them to work because a lot of the customers started receiving support from the government. They started receiving support amongst other hospital systems within their area. And they started what we like to call firefighting. We were happy to see that the most important thing was that patients were being taken care of. But across the board, patient volume is significantly down. I mean, especially now, uh, patient volume is, I don't want to use the term non-existent, but we need the surgeries to be opened all over the place so we can start seeing a lot more cases and start watching the ERs fill up. So that general business and just general revenue of the hospital systems, which again is was originally fearful in the beginning, but now fear is really going more into Q3 because we're not seeing a lot of job orders right now. And again, when I say we, uh, I tried to network with a lot of companies ranging enormously in revenue and we're, none of us are seeing a lot of open job orders, which is a problem. Interesting. So do you have a heavy concentration of clients in the Northeast? Um, no, I mean, we're, we're pretty national. We have a couple of national management companies that we work with. So we happen to work in random states uh, all, all across the country. I, I mean, obviously, our bread and butter is the New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, being that that's where we're from. We know the area. Uh, and almost everything's drivable. So we're very comfortable there, but we have plenty of clients if you go straight across west of the United States or if you go down to the southeast. I mean, we don't work with many of the rural facilities in the Midwest. Interesting. So you're not actually seeing the, the patient volume that we're hearing about coming back. You're not seeing that. Uh, not us yet. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping if you guys are hearing that, I'm hoping that we're just on maybe a two week snooze and, and maybe we're going to start to experience that. We have a large town hall meeting every Tuesday for our company. And we were just talking about the fact that we're hoping that it's going to be by July 4th. I really think, especially for the Northeast, a lot of it's going to have to do with schools being opened. If the schools are opened in September and kids are in school full time and businesses and people can go back to work full time and not be as restricted doesn't mean that they're going to work from home or not. That doesn't matter. But if the, if the kids are in school in the Northeast, that's going to be a big factor, I believe, in just the economy in general. But obviously, that translates to healthcare as well. Okay, good. Good insight. What are you seeing as far as changes go in the broader healthcare space as a result of this? What are your predictions in terms of what you're going to see that are permanent lasting changes? And I guess, what are the temporary changes that you're you're predicting? So I would say individuals, and again, the, the people that I network with are all talking about how consolidation is happening everywhere in the healthcare space, especially healthcare staffing or what's called healthcare services. And that's true. But I, I also don't believe that consolidation has become any more aggressive than it has for the past few years anyway. It's been pretty aggressive. Um, pretty much since I started alumni, that consolidation is happening on the hospital side and the systems, as well as the management company side that trickles down to the services side, which is our industry, and that other industry such as technology, I can't speak as much on behalf of, but we obviously saw a few uh, technology acquisitions happen within our industry. So in regards to how the changes affect alumni, because that's what I can really speak on behalf of, I can't really speak necessarily on an entire industry, but I can tell you what's not going to work is 
the old school business development that all of the large companies and companies like myself have grown on. And, you know, for four and a half years, you know, you brought up our growth, appreciate the kind words earlier. You know, we've had significant growth and it's been in the last four or five years, you know, companies that grew in 2001, 2002, and they say, oh, well, we grew zero to a hundred million in six years. There were only like 20 locum tenants companies back then. I mean, we have like 200 locum tenants companies now just in our national organization. We don't even know how many are not in our national organization. So we've really been fortunate to grow this aggressively and become a mid-sized company through our old experiences and the way we did kind of our business development. Having said that, effective today, we can't develop our business and market the same way we have been. The whole healthcare industry is kind of coming up with this new version of what it looks like, right? And that's kind of where you are going with this question. And I just think it has to be, uh, for us, the way we're looking at it is we're coming up with our own unique tactics. It's more of a consultative sales approach. And we've only started working on these like over a little over a month ago. So they're really fresh to us because again, when COVID started, Everybody had their opinions, but we didn't think it was going to last this long. And now we're this long into it. You know, we're almost three months into it. And we're realizing we still don't know when it's going to bounce back the healthcare economy, the regular economy. I'm not here to talk about the, the, the healthcare economy. We need to come back for our businesses. But I think the biggest change in my industry and, and what we do is the old way of doing things is not going to work anymore. Companies are going to come out, including alumni, are going to come out of this, whether that's September or Q2, Q3, 2021. Whenever we come out of this, we are going to have new programs, platforms, tactics. We have to be able to have a way to differentiate ourselves from pre-COVID to post-COVID strategies and ways that we're going to market our business and grow our company, in my opinion. Right. But specifically, what does that mean? Like, what doesn't work anymore? I mean, is it the face-to-face -face going and shaking hands with doctors? Is that, I mean, obviously, that's going to be very different. Is that what you're referring to when you say the old school way of doing things? So when I say the old, old, old way of doing things is, for our industry, it's typically easier to recruit the physician and find the physician to do the work than to get new open job orders. You know, breaking into new contracts is harder side of the business for companies my size and smaller. We typically have the ability to fill the jobs that we receive. So I'm more referring to how we're going to break into new hospital systems and get new contracts. In regards to the conferences, I have no idea how that's going to look. I know how the conferences that we were scheduled for canceled. And they either returned our money or they're using our money for next year's conference. I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't think we're going to be ever going back to shaking physicians' hands, you know, hundreds and hundreds of physicians in a day, whether or not we have a different way of approaching each other at a conference or whether they're all done via technology is another, is another question. But I don't believe any of the conference companies that we attend, and we, we attend multiple, both for technology type of industries, as well as physician specialty type conferences. And, and nobody's really figured out how they want to do it yet. I think everyone's still in that waiting game of what's going to happen, because even if they pull off a conference, you still need thousands of people to be willing to fly in and go stay at a hotel. And I just don't think that I don't think we're there yet. Okay. So do you see you guys using technology in different ways to develop your sales and marketing process? Or have you started doing that yet? Yeah, I mean, it, that starts to get a little close to the barriers of being able to talk openly about things that we're doing internally. And, and again, you know, uh, without giving away what our internal strategies are and things that we're in the middle of developing, we're trying to be as innovative as possible 
and we're trying to have a consultative sales approach. So we need to listen to our customers. We need to listen to our physicians and we need to figure out what is going to be working, not just now and not just for the next six months, but I'm really interested in products that are going to be really usable by facilities and physicians in five years. And obviously telemedicine is, is, is ultra aggressive right now and, and is very, very hot right now, if you'd like to put it in the industry and is going to be, I mean, it's not going to go away, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's an easy place for a locum tenants company to fit into that space because it's just not, it's, it's not an easy space space to get into and the margins can be very, very minimal. And there's a, there's a reason the large entities and the large locums companies have not entered into the telemedicine space. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is, do you see that as a growth opportunity? But it sounds like it's a fairly low margin, high volume business. that's not really positioned well for you for locum tenants companies. The way I look at it is just from a general business standpoint, if you're looking at a low margin, high volume type revenue producer and model, you have to find a way to deliver it in an efficient and low cost model. That's the only way you can do it. If you're going to do it the old school way, it's not going to work. If you can do it a newer and more innovative way, then that's what would work for a business. John, this has been extremely helpful and insightful. Any concluding words that you want to leave our listeners with, uh, words of encouragement or words of advice on how to handle the recovery here and sustain and grow in the face of all of this turmoil? Uh, sure. So I have, I have a few things. So um, first, I'd have to say that I'm speaking now to some of the locums companies. I'm assuming, you know, I'm sure we'll share a lot of this stuff with them and we'll, you know, we'll introduce this to a lot of individuals as well. I really believe that coming out of COVID as the healthcare economy comes back, I really feel as though companies our size in the mid-market of locums is going to have the best opportunity moving forward because what this entire situation is doing for companies our size, it's, it's leveling the playing field. Prior to COVID, if we called a customer that worked with, you know, there's five or six locums companies that make up over 80% of the revenue. It could even be higher. So there's a lot of companies that you, hospitals that you call, they work with the top four companies. You can't get a contract in them. Well, a lot of these companies are having a lot of shift and there's a lot of workforce changes happening within those companies. So I, I really think coming back, this is a huge opportunity for the midsize companies to, to make a big play and really try to pump up their revenue numbers. The other thing I was just going to say, you know, for, for the business leaders is we have many different customers, right? So we have to learn how to listen to these uh, individuals. And it's not always about managing and coaching and servicing our customers. For us, it's to grow and strengthen. You know, for, in order for us to do that, we need to listen to our employees who are our internal customers, you know, our clients who are our hospitals and the facilities we staff, and you know, our physicians who are our workforce. And working and listening to all three of those is, is a recipe for success. And the last comment I have is just stay super positive. I mean, positivity is contagious and it needs to be shared with all three of the customers I mentioned earlier, you know, the internal, the external and the workforce. But for us, motivation and inspiration in a down market has been key for alumni's success and continued success through this pandemic. John Panucci, Alumni Healthcare Staffing. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for sharing your words of wisdom. I wish you all the success in the world as you grow to a $100 million company. Can't wait to see what the future has in store for us. Wish you continued success. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much.